everyone. This is UCL Careers Podcast, Future Talk. And my name is Amy Lorenko, Senior Careers Consultant at UCL. On this podcast, which is powered by UCL Minds, we will be talking with professionals in different sectors about their career journeys and insights in relation to employability topics. This series is packed with guests who are change makers and innovators in their respective industries and was created by the engineering careers team to help our students and graduates find out more about various professional experiences. Each episode will have a guest who will share their professional insights and provide valuable information relating to careers. The episodes will be available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud on a weekly basis. On today's episode, I'm so pleased to be able to introduce our guest, Khaled Saeed. He's an engineering project manager for P&G, having started with the company in 2019. He's a former UCL alumni with a postgraduate master's degree in chemical engineering, which he gained in 2018. Welcome to the podcast, Khalid, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Amy. My pleasure. Fantastic. It's always great to have a UCL alum um, on the podcast, so really appreciate you being here. So my first question is, how did you find the transition to a professional working environment after your studies? Because I noticed you haven't been with P&G that long. Originally, when I was doing my postgraduate degree, I was actually with a startup company. So for the final six months of my postgrad degree, I had started the startup company and then continued with them for a year. Following that, I started with P&G in 2019. Um, so I, I would say you, the life between a professional career and working, in a sense, in a startup company is very different. You do get, so I saw both perspectives of the flexible work you get with a startup company, the kind of where what you want, more open atmosphere, share a bigger opinion, and really have essentially the CEO sat either side of you, as opposed to being in a kind of global manufacturing company where the CEO is essentially 10 levels above anybody else sat in Geneva or another country elsewhere. So I, I would say the transition between the professional working environment after studying is quite a shock to most people. I had friends who never really worked in a professional environment and even colleagues who joined within the last year or so. For myself, the transition was fairly seamless having worked in a professional environment. So I would always, I always strongly encourage students or essentially anybody who is younger to gain some experience. Don't allow your first career or your first job in a career you aspire for to be the first time you step into an office. Put yourself out there, get, gain some experience, even if it's not in the field you want. Understand office dynamics and understand, in a sense, um, emotional intelligence in the office. People always have an opinion. I think for me, understanding how office dynamics works, if there's some tension between people, how to, in a sense, resolve it. And I think these skills you will never pick up just from education. Education is great. Education is your ticket to that office. But you have to understand how to act, in a sense, when engaged in these office conversations. Please do ask me to repeat anything or ask me to expand on any points you think that may have stood out. 
No, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. That's really interesting how um, you found the sort of the transition a bit easier because you'd had that experience before and and six months, that's quite a long time. What were you doing in the startup and how did you get that, that job? So initially it was a friend had started working, a friend of a friend actually had started working there and the recommendation came that there's a there was a part-time position and I thought why not because it was essentially in the fuel industry and then they were kind of integrated with battery technology so during my time at UCL I'd done a research project in lithium-ion batteries understanding degradation Um, so of course it stood out to me it stood out as an an opportunity to learn more and go into an industry in a sense that was super related to uh, what I was studying. However, having said that, I wouldn't suggest you do zero, you you don't undertake any experience in your um, undergrad or postgrad. So for example, an internship or part-time work because it's not related. I would say if an opportunity arises that although unrelated to your degree, still do, still, still take it, take any opportunity you can and it will give you growth as an individual. Yeah, that's such good advice, isn't it? Because um, you can get kind of build on so many transferable skills from different experiences. Um, Precisely, yeah, and that's really... all it is, understanding the transferable skill from one perspective to another. Fantastic. And did you say it was in the film industry? No, sorry, the oil industry. Oh, oil industry. I, yeah. I heard you say about batteries <laughs> and battery technology, no. and then I thought you said film industry, and I was like, oh, I'm no. not sure how those two are connected. <laughs> no, no, they, no, so the batteries was related to the post-grad lithium-ion batteries. Excellent, excellent. Um, and so the startup was working in that same area? Correct. Fantastic. Well, that's such a such a good way to build on your experience. And you mentioned there about um, the startup kind of company and the culture of that company being quite different to uh, the company culture at P&G and, and comparing sort of working for a startup and, and a larger company. Having had sort of experience on both sides, what do you prefer? So I would say there's, there's huge benefits to both. Um, for me, I prefer the structure of essentially a, a global company. So for me, it's super structured. I like having structure in my life. I like understanding where I'm going to be in five years, what opportunities are available in 10 years. So I, I love to see the future, although I also love the spontaneous part of being in a startup, not understanding the challenges that will come tomorrow or not understanding in three months time what the volume will look like from business with a startup it's also it's it's also very sporadic because news can spread very quickly from avenues that are unknown and because volume is essentially a lot lower in a startup as opposed to a global um business i'd say 100 percent growth in a startup is is super super easy to see it's super normal to see. However, in a global business, you for you to see small percentages of growth is is remarkable. So you you do get get those, those spikes, and it's kind of as a team how you react and how your thought process changes to react in situations that 
you never thought you would put your, you never thought could be possible is what gives you those in a sense leadership skills so i would say 100% the startup leadership skills i gained have dramatically helped me in my project management skills and kind of joining png as a manager fantastic yeah it's really good and you you've touched there on um your sort of transferable skills and and leadership skills and this might follow on to my nicely to my next question which was were there any skills in particular which you gained during your studies that you found that you're able to transfer to your sort of current role i would say for my current role the technical skills i gained certainly understanding technical mastery so in png we do advocate a lot for technical mastery and understanding um, the details behind. So it, it's also back to the old saying, the devil's behind the details. So it's understanding the small details of a very technical question that if you were required to reverse engineer it, you were able to. As engineers, we're very, we do get very technical. And I mean, talking to engineering students here is really deep dive into a, into a problem understand why the problem is even a problem understand what could be done to prevent this problem so even when given a question of calculate two plus two understand really why do you want to calculate two plus two what do you benefit from it do you could you benefit from looking at it in a different perspective so it's really understanding the question at hand answering the question at hand because that's what university requires from you but then having the perspective of deeper diving into why do you want to know the answer what benefits you what benefits you and your team and then really how could you approach it differently how could you avoid needing this answer so i think it's it's really being clinical on yourself and the problem so thank you that gives us a great insight into how your technical skills were really useful for your sort of current role i think our listeners will be really interested to hear a bit more about sort of the day-to-day um experience you have in your role what what does a role as a project manager look like at png what do you get up to so the role really varies from super technical hands-on experience for example understanding why a pump is failing understanding why valves are not opening understanding why a packing machine is not running as it should to really in-depth capital and schedule reviews. So for me, it's, I enjoyed, I really enjoy the technical skills behind the project management and understanding the technical details, but then it's also having my team put together a schedule for me, understanding what the capital costs behind installing new projects are, really deeper diving into how the lead time of a piece of equipment, for example, considering custom costs or custom clearance, how that will all affect the schedule. So for me as a project manager, um, quality and safety aspects are really deep dived here at PNG. So safety comes first here at London site when it comes to any installations, any operations. As a project manager, it's base expectation that we deliver all projects with no safety incidents, no safety alerts. And what that really means is we're not putting anybody at danger. Everybody who's coming into work is leaving work as they came in. We're not hurting anybody. So it's, it really puts that human touch to the work that I do day to day. But I would say really as a project manager, it's working with people, making sure everybody's happy, delivering as promised, 
delivering safely, delivering delivering on the quality expected. Fabulous. So for our listeners that don't know much about P&G, you guys are fast moving consumer goods, right? So you produce um, shampoos and everyday household items. So what sort of projects are you looking after? So for me, there are some projects I'm not at liberty to talk about. However, there are some projects I can talk about. So I would say majority fall under initiatives. So all of these are projects that facilitate capacity growth, facilitate new ideas to the market, allow us to keep our competitive edge, forecasting for the future of what essentially me and you want at home. Really, what do we want to see in our cupboards when we're going to wash our dishes, when we're going to wash our clothes? The department I work with today is Beads Unstoppables. I'm not sure if you've heard of them. So essentially, these are fabric enhancers that introduce perfume to your clothes. So for me, it'd really be, what can I do as a project manager with, this, with the company to excite the consumer? Of course, there are many projects that step aside to initiative and really are the facilities of the, of the department. So, for example, if there's a technical issue with one of the heat exchangers or one of the valves, like mentioned before, there would then be a project in a sense where we respec the, the process piping behind the issue and we correct it. So for me as a project manager here and what I do, it kind of varies super from allowing the operation to run as efficiently as possible and then also introducing new initiatives and kind of innovation in a sense where me and you as the consumer would want to receive these products and be excited about these products. Fantastic. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, I do know those um, the, the unstoppable things you put in the washing machine. Very <laughs> cool. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. <laughs> Fantastic. And is there sort of one thing you wish you'd known when you first graduated about the professional work environment? That's a very good question. I I think to put it simply, I wish I was told more to enjoy university. Not in a sense that your career and your professional environment isn't great, but in a sense where you have a lot more flexibility in your time when at university. I know I mentioned I love structure and I do love structure and I stand by that. However, during your time at university, you do have that freedom to study when you want, study at 2 a.m. You can't schedule a meeting with your manager at 2 a.m. But in a sense where if if I was able to take a step back and understand the needs of myself and the pressure I put on myself during university, I would take a step back understand what the issue I have is as opposed to panicking because I understand a lot of students do panic and really truly and like deeply dive into the emotional intelligence behind things every student will panic about a certain situation they'll stress about exams which is totally human totally natural but it would be to understand what the challenge is at hand take it one step at a time and really plan things. So I, I advocate always, if you, fa- if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Always have a plan for things. And this doesn't mean have a, have a backup plan for your backup plan, 
but it means plan out your schedule, understand by when you have to achieve a certain milestone. If you don't achieve that certain milestone, what are the repercussions? And how can you adapt if you do reach, reach that milestone without having completed everything you needed to? So I do wish that I could have, in a sense, had this, this the emotional intelligence I have today is that back then, however, I didn't, of course, I can only stress now for the students who were, who I, I was in their position a few years back that go easier on yourself, understand your schedule, understand what are your main deliverables and understand how you can achieve them. If you find a challenge, reach out to your lecturers. That's what they're there for. They're there to help you. There's always mentors and coaches that would be ha would happily help you. So reach out to them. Their resource is there for a reason. Absolutely. That's such good advice to make sure you reach out to the people that support you and and as well to like make the most of your time and enjoy it and uh, basically not Certainly. stress so much. <laughs> I mean, no one can do everything alone. So even when it comes to group projects, you can't do it all alone. You have to you have to learn to rely on people. You have to learn to trust people. And that trust element is very important when it comes to a professional career. It's impossible to do everything alone. That's not a business can't run alone with one person. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I guess that's where the team projects that you do at university can prepare you a bit more for, for, sure. for the working world. <laughs> they can actually coach you in how to manage people. So I loosely manage um, a team of 17 in my startup time after I had graduated, but they weren't ever really direct reports. Having joined PNG and having people who are technical experts working, with, working for me is a huge step in a direction of leadership. And of course, it's, it was a great pleasure for me to have taken on that responsibility. And of course, at the beginning, it was quite daunting, but it really just honed into the fact that when, I'm, when I took a step back and I looked at it, it was during my time at university, you get given these opportunities for a reason. You get given these opportunities to show your leadership skills. And this doesn't mean that you take the lead on everything. Because great leaders don't drive always at the beginning. They let their team go forwards and they push them. They don't have to be the one in control of everything. Absolutely. Yeah, completely agree. No, that's really interesting. Um, and my next question is around sort of professional rejection. So what, would, what would you say to students and graduates who might have faced rejection? not hearing back from employers or having the applications be unsuccessful and how might they be able to deal with this in a constructive way? So I would say if they haven't heard back from the company to follow up, if the reason behind their rejection was an online assessment is to practice. However, if the, re the reason behind their rejection is an interview, Ask at the, end of, at the end of the interview, once you know the interviewer has kind of given his opinion, although not voiced it to you, ask, how do you think I went? What do you think I could have improved on? I think very transparently, the interviewer will tell you 90% of the time, you've said X, Y, Z. 90% of the time, they'll also tell you if they thought you were good enough for the company, if they thought that they saw a future for you in the business. And I think rejection isn't a negative thing. Rejection is a learning curve. We all will get rejected from something in our life. 
it's how we react to it and how we learn from it. I mean, for myself, I was rejected by several companies before I got the opportunity in PNG. I thought even when applying to PNG, it will be a challenge to overcome the interviews because I found the statistic that only 1% of interviews are successful. So I put that pressure on myself. However, I made sure that even during my interviews, I was learning. Everything I had learned from my previous interviews, everything I had learned from my previous rejection, I took into this with an open mind saying, okay, I was bad in X, Y, Z. I wasn't successful in X, Y, Z in my previous interview. How can I adapt? How can I take the learnings from these professionals who have been in the industry for 20 or 30 years and have given me advice and coaching on how can I adapt as, a, as an individual? So it's really understanding that you're not perfect. No one's perfect. No one's going to give the answer that everybody wants to hear. You can have two people in front of you, give them the exact same answer. One person will react positively. The other person will react negatively. So it's really the perception you get from that learning curve. And that learning curve, I think, for me, will always be in my life, always wanting to learn more and understand different perspectives. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. Um, and is there one thing in particular that you would encourage students and graduates to keep in mind when exploring potential career opportunities and creating connections with employers? So be open-minded. I don't think any job description truly describes what the job is. I think there's always hidden opportunities. And I call them opportunities because there are learnings behind different things you do in your, in your career. I mean, Amy, I could probably ask you, was your, is your job description exactly what you do today? I, I'm certain you'd say no. No, it's not, yeah. <laughs> so it's ask the questions, probe the interviewer. On a day-to-day, -day, what will I be doing? In a year's time, what will I be doing? In three years' time, will I be doing the same role as today? And I think in a sense where you don't even want to hear yes, you want to hear the answer is no. You don't want to know that you're going to be doing repetitive tasks because then your job gets boring. You want that, that sporadic ignition of, you may be doing this in three years time. You may be doing this task in three years time. You understand your daily responsibilities and you take those on board. However, I don't believe a job description that entirely describes what you're after. So do ask the question, even if the job description fits 50% of your liking, I think that is sufficient to understand or dive deeper into what the job truly asks of you. So like being open-minded um, about the role and then asking lots of questions about it to Certainly. get more details. Certainly. I think you need to ask the questions and you need to be open with the interviewer of what, what you like and what you don't like. I think it, there has to be that level of communication between you and the company, even from the very, the very start. Fab. And how did you sort of make your decision that it was the P&G sort of project manager role that you wanted to apply for, given what you've said about job descriptions, only sort of telling half the story? How did you make that decision to apply? So initially, when I applied to P&G, I applied as a project as a process engineer. Apologies. I came to the interview. We had the interview. I was offered the role of a project engineer. As opposed, to a pro as opposed to a process engineer. I was told I could 
decline the project engineer role. However, I would have to wait a few months or I could accept the project engineer role and I'd be able to start immediately. Um, for me, it was a no brainer. I knew I enjoyed working in initi initiatives and projects. Whether or not I had to wait, I think it didn't influence my decision into taking the project engineer role. I asked details of what both roles are. And for myself, the right decision was to take the project role. Um, I think even for my career, four months later, I found myself becoming the project manager of the department. So I think even in, in hindsight, it was the right decision for my career. I enjoyed it, so I was passionate about it. I'm still passionate today, a year and a half later, having taken on all of the, the responsibilities of the project manager. So, yeah. Brilliant. So that was really fortuitous that um, they had offered you that role and then it led to being promoted quite quickly. Yeah, for sure. It was a great opportunity and uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunities PNG has actually given me. Fantastic. Are there much, many differences between the two roles, like a process engineer versus a project engineer? So a process engineer is very heavily on operations and ensuring equipment and standards and safety and quality are all kind of very, very respected. A project engineer is really introducing the new elements to the, to the operation. So introducing a new raw material, a new variant of product, a new packaging style. So you're very, you're disconnected from the operation. However, you are the heart of the future of the operation as a project engineer. Um, in that sense, you report to the project manager, you work as a team, you have other mechanical and electrical experts working with you. So you do understand the process. However, you will never understand the process as well as a, pro a process engineer. And that's where the technical skills of a process engineer are are very admirable to me at least. Got it. So the process engineer is a bit more like business as usual and then the project engineer comes in when you want to introduce something new. Correct. Oh thank you. I'm learning as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my final question is what would you say are the key skills necessary to succeed in the industry? We've talked about a few today. We've talked about leadership and technical skills. We've talked about being open-minded. Anything else that you think are sort of necessary to succeed in your role? So I would say 100%, I would have to reiterate the leadership skills and being open-minded. I would say understanding emotional intelligence and um, being very strict on yourself when it comes to executing as per a schedule. I say this with a project management perspective for sure, but I think, like I like I said before, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You have to have a plan for certain things. You have to have milestones that you want to achieve. Adding to that, I think being able to work as a team and communicate to your team, taking feedback. So I think these these all really re relay into the questions you've asked before, where understanding and taking feedback, not in, an, in a pessimistic way, however, in an optimistic way, where you can learn from the feedback and overcome future challenges. 
if somebody is investing time to tell you consciously that maybe you could have said X differently, maybe you could have reacted differently or worded something in a different way or planned something in a different way, they're only looking out for you. I mean, we have to trust the people in our lives. We have to trust our mentors and our coaches. Um, of course, it's disheartening when somebody says you could have been better at a, a specific task. However, I think in 20 years time, when you're giving that advice, you will only be giving it with a good heart. So understand it optimistically, understand it that we all have room for growth. Even these people who are experts and I've worked with understand that they have room for growth. So to me, it's if they have room for growth, why don't I? Fantastic. So you're really having that sort of growth mindset. Um, for sure. And always wanting to learn. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for joining our podcast and sharing your valuable insights with our audience. It's been absolutely fantastic. And thank you to our audience for listening to this episode. Keep an eye out for more episodes, which will be released weekly on audio platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Thanks again, Carla. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Take care of yourself. Cheers.